Hey, Facebook, it's nine o'clock. Time for Joy Exposed. I've been waiting all week for this. I don't know why I don't have anything really to talk about. <laughs> I'm just going to chat. So, uh, because we always start the same way, we're starting with three cheers of joy. And um, I'm kind of excited about that because um i always like that part of the show because i get to talk about um three things that i have enjoyed during the week or that i'm grateful for during the week so it makes me just stop and consider um think about my week and things that i'm thankful for and um then i can celebrate it and i can celebrate it with you all and that means a lot to me as i've told you before my time on live is therapy because a lot of the thoughts that I have and issues that I have, I can talk them out loud. And I think that kind of goes along with my being an introvert because I can go the whole day and not talk to anybody. But then I look forward to talking to you guys, whoever you are. Isn't that amazing how that works? Anyway, so let's start off with three cheers of joy. Tonight, I'm not drinking a tequila. I'm drinking, oh, last week I had a bourbon too. I had Basil Hayden, but tonight I'm having um, Woodford Reserve, and it's a bourbon, and that's like the official sponsor of the Kentucky Derby. I use it in mint juleps and stuff, but it's really good. I, this is my first time having it like straight without having the simple syrup or ginger beer or cherries with it, like in a Moscow mule, so I'm just having the Woodford Reserve straight, so that's it all right so my first cheer of joy tonight is that um my son-in-law's been out of town and i've been taking my granddaughter to school every day and um we haven't been late one day i've even made it to work on time so i'm really pleased with myself that i um have been able to get us ready and get breakfast made and get us to where we need to be school and work on time so i'm very pleased with that and so that's my first cheer of joy that I've been on time. Seems like you lose that and you have kids and they get older and you stop doing the running around, but I dug deep and found it. So that's pretty cool. The second cheer of joy. Oh, I'm sorry. So cheers to that. My second cheer of joy is that for the second year in a row, I've been, um, selected as teacher of the year at my school. So I'm really pleased at that too. Um, I work really hard at school, well, as a teacher and in my own private life, I work hard too, but I put a lot into it. I really have a problem doing anything half-assed. So when I'm in it, I'm in it. So I'm really very pleased to receive that, that accolade from my colleagues who um, think that I'm worthy of teacher of the year two years in a row. So we'll see how that goes. So cheers to being selected teacher of the year. My third celebration, and it's not even a celebration yet. I won't really get to celebrate it till after Halloween. After yeah, after Halloween. But the idea that I get to celebrate it is very excited. My faceless love and I were talking. And um, I asked him when was the last time he carved a jack-o'-lantern, carved a pumpkin. And he said he's never carved a pumpkin ever, ever, ever in his whole life. So we get to do that with my granddaughter when he comes. Um, so I'm really pleased with that. And, you know, I think as women, we get older and you want to do new things with a guy and that they haven't done with anybody else. And guys want to do things new that the women haven't shared with anybody else. We just want to have those experiences. And um, we get to do that. We're going to carve a jack-o'-lantern together. So I'm really excited about that. Yes. Thank you very much. So uh, we get to carve a jack-o'-lantern. That's my third cheer of joy. The eight just being anxious or excited about celebrating something new uh, with my faceless love and then also with my granddaughter it'll be her first jack-o'-lantern and uh, you know like i'm a professional right <laughs> not at all but um me and my children did make it a point to have like a kind of a pre-halloween celebration where we just bake cookies and carved jack-o'-lanterns just to force that family time when they were little and you know when they got older they stopped because they weren't interested anymore but now that jasmine has her own family that's now become something important to her to carve a jack-o'-lantern and have the 
Christmas, the pre-Christmas party, the tree trimming. So I was kind of thinking that that stuff went away because they weren't interested. But it's amazing how now she's in the role of the woman of the house and the wife and mother that she's kind of taken some of these same traditions and she's, you know, putting them into place. So I'm very pleased with that. So, uh, so I guess not next Wednesday, the following Wednesday, I'll be able to share with you guys some pictures of our jack-o'-lantern and see how crafty and creative we got. So I'm really excited about that. So those are my three cheers of joy. The first one was I made it to work every day on time. The second one was I was nominated or selected teacher of the year again at my school. This is the second year in a row celebrations and then the third one is i get to try to do something new with my faceless love that he hasn't shared with anyone else before so i'm looking i'm looking forward to making it a great experience for him and uh you know and whatever that it's time time well spent and it's an opportunity for us to share so I'm very excited about that so um last week if you didn't listen to Joy Exposed, and it's available on SoundCloud and um, iTunes and Google Play and Spotify. If you didn't listen last week, whoa, I was on fire, and I shared a lot of personal information and just really um, a sensitive position that would be for me and my mom and probably people who know me. But, you know, it's really every time I speak, I speak from the heart. And I have to remind myself that me speaking is about me. It's my healing, my journey. It's me putting myself out. And I've told everyone that I'm going to be transparent. And I've told everyone that I'm going to literally speak my truth and just to be free because I need to get to my place of being a purpose. And I feel like this is on my path to getting there. So if you haven't listened to it last week, it was on fire and it will help you identify some things in your life if you have had some problems with it or trying to figure out why as an adult you do some of the things that you do. If you can go back into that childhood and identify the first signs of somebody manipulating or trying to con you into something or just conditioning you to be in some bullshit. It's just like a cycle of just yucky conditioning. So, you know, have a listen. Tell me what you think about it and you know, maybe those aren't things that you necessarily struggle with, but it's definitely things that I struggle with. And because I was able to go in and unveil some of that stuff, it put me in a better position to be a better, just to be a better me, not even for anybody else, but for me to be able to be forthright and to walk forward. So that was really good. And I have a, my little, is it um, copper? Yeah, it's a little Moscow mule cup that came with my Woodford Reserve. I'm drinking out of that tonight. My daughter was teasing me. She's like, mom, you always have so many different glasses. That's always been a quirk of mine. I love glasses. I love fun little things. And, but I don't really, I'll drink out of them for a little while and then I get rid of them. So it's not like I keep them a lot of them, but I do love just unique glasses and just little expressions of me. So today, I don't really have a um, Facebook post of the week. I have some stuff that I engaged in and I had conversations about. And I was looking through Facebook today trying to see exactly what I would talk about. And I could only really come up with one thing. And this one I saw this morning and it let me know that I was in a yucky ass mind space when I woke up this morning. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Varisa, for the red wine. Yes, yes, yes. And you were drinking the red decadence, or you like a chocolate decadence on yesterday. And that's really good. I think um, Menage a Trois makes one that's a red decadence too. So if you haven't tried that one, that's a good one to try too. But I remember seeing your post on that. So, and it, it, you're right, it is delicious. Um, but this morning I responded to a post and I knew when I responded to it that I was in a yucky ass mind space. And, um, but the good thing is now when I recognize I'm in a yucky-ass mind space, I can kind of tweak it. <laughs> you know, it's been when I was younger, if I was in a yucky-ass mind space, everybody got it. But this morning there was a post where there was a lady 
it's a cartoon actually and the lady was asking the guy like what can i do to make things better or make you feel better and the guy's response was leave after we have sex and so i was just kind of looking through the comments and people were laughing and right and that's the thing to do you know women don't understand and i was just kind of immediately i snapped the fuck out on the post and i'm that person like i know people are like oh it's so funny and you took it serious well i'm very literal and i said that too i'm very literal and a lot of stuff i don't find funny especially if it's going to be the mental health break or leave somebody with some baggage it's not funny to me but anyway so the guy was like um his response was uh if leave after we um leave after we fuck that's exactly what it said and so i just responded to the post i said well why don't guys say that up front like why don't guys say hey after we fuck you should leave why don't they just say that up front? And I was being really sarcastic, kind of tongue in cheek. And I was like, oh, because you'd much rather prefer the passive aggressive raping than the idea that she would actually leave. So you feel like it's more comfortable to trick somebody into fucking you than to just tell them up front. I was like, so honorable, the men in here. And so I responded to that and then I got up and got dressed to, you know, get everything ready to go to work. And I just was thinking about it as I was driving, like, did I take that too far? Like, how do you know when somebody does something on Facebook and you've gone too far or it's touched the nerve? Like, what, you know, what does that look like to you? So as I was driving into work and I thought about it and, you know, sometimes on Facebook, you think about stuff after the fact, sometimes you don't, it doesn't fucking matter, but this particular time it mattered. And I was thinking about it because I meet so many women who have been damaged by a man pretending to like them. And that's disheartening because whether men have the intention of hurting or leaving baggage or not, it definitely affects the woman when they've been misled into a situation that the expectation is that there's something more. So I would think that I know when I was single and I wanted to have sex, <laughs> I would just say that, oh, no, I don't, I'm not interested. I just rather have sex. And the funny thing is that some, a couple, some men were okay with that. And some men weren't okay with that because some men are like, well, wait a minute let's have dinner or less. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to have dinner. I don't want to talk. I don't. So from, and I'm maybe because I feel like when I'm, when I'm upfront about something, you get an honest response and you get an honest participant in the act and I'm not misleading somebody. So I don't really like the idea that men find it okay to mislead someone into this, um, negative sexual experience just to satisfy that whim. And they thought it was funny. So I called it passive aggressive raping. And then, you know, it didn't really get a lot of response in the group because people don't like to admit that I'm essentially raping somebody or that I have been in this situation and it has happened to me. So I did have to think about it. Maybe I responded, you know, too swiftly. Maybe I was just off my shit a little bit. And, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I knew it after the fact. That's the trigger that I knew that it was um, it was going to be a tough day. So I went on, I got to work and got set up and stuff. And I talked on the phone to Faceless Love and I told him, I was like, man, I'm bitchy today. I'm, my bitch is here and I'm going to have to hold on to her because I already feel it. And I told him what happened. And he's like, oh, no, 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 because he deals with me. So he knows when my bitch shows up, it's going to be hard to fucking maintain that. And so um, he and I talked for a little while and I just, you know, made a couple of other comments. And I think he just kind of braces himself because he doesn't really know how far I'm going to go with whatever it is I'm doing. And I was getting ready to get off the phone. I said, well, let me get out of here. Let me go get my day started because I'm going to fuck something up today. You know, and I was just, he was like, no. He said, listen, whatever it is, it's going to be a good day. I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. He said, but listen, you're going to get a lot of shit done today. You're going to be very productive. And I started laughing because he recognizes me and those energy shifts enough to know that when I am in bitchy focus, boom, 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 that I'm on it. I get a lot of stuff done. So I just kind of laughed and I was very pleased that he could identify that. And then I said, I got the phone. I was like, you're right. You're right. I will get a lot done and I'm going to have a good day. 
and I have to, I'm sharing this because that is a huge leap from where I was a year ago, a year and a half ago. Like, because I have literally, I've made videos about it on YouTube talking about when stuff happens and I lose my shit. And I don't, I don't pretend that I don't lose my shit. I'll never pretend that I don't. And I haven't because I have. And, but now it doesn't come out as this uncontrollable anxiety and this wrath of venom that I'm trying to spit on somebody. It's more of a succinct understanding that today may be off. So I'm really pleased at that growth in myself. And, um, and maybe you guys have had some of the similar experiences where you sometimes you lose your shit. I don't, I never, I won't ever deny that. I'm never pretending that I don't. And I have, and, um, and I will again, but this morning it was more controlled and I was very pleased with myself. I was like, okay, you didn't cuss anybody out. You ended up having a good day. It was productive. You didn't break up with faceless love. And I've done that before when I did lose it. You know, so I was very pleased with the idea that, you know, I'm growing up, I'm maturing, I'm balancing out. My hormones are kind of, you know, balancing out because I've, I've already been through menopause. So menopause in itself is tricky. And, um, when my daughters have their um, womanly blessing each month, I experience the hormonal influx from that. So I, any of this stuff, I'm open. I'm not, I don't try to hide it, but I do have to control it because I have to control me. Because, you know, during the day I work with the children, you know, I work with young adults and I have to be um, in a good place of understanding them and, you know, being available to them because they don't understand you losing your shit because I have to have a certain level of control to help them not lose their shit, right? So, you know, it's a balance and I'm growing. So I'm very pleased at that. So I wanted to share that Facebook conversation because I don't think people understand how much stuff they do that's damaging to other people and they find a joke about it. You know, I mean, I'm 50. If I was schmoozing or trying to hang out with some young guy I could get him for all the money that he has like because I'm experienced and my wisdom I could take him for everything that he has and have no intention of anything with him other than taking what he has now is that fair to him no because he would be like oh well she's grown up and she's got this and she's stable and I'm I like older women and I would be like boy whatever I was just taking your candy because you was at the playground I don't want nothing to do with you but people don't understand that when they have those intimate moments of sexual experience and not even just the sexual experience, when they have those intimate moments of sharing and they're misguided that the person they're sharing with has to process the fact that somebody has lied to them and someone has taken from them under false pretenses. And that's not funny to me because the same person that you do that to is the same person that's going to end up in counseling because of it or end up with your child and you're not going to be interested and you're going to be men will be content with dropping that child support off and keeping it moving and not even shit some of them don't even want to pay fucking child support that's another whole thing but you can use the um cunningness the be cunning to take it right and i don't think that's fair so i snapped this morning a little bit but Everybody lived. I didn't give it to them too bad. <laughs> so that's my Facebook post of the week um, or my Facebook conversation of the week. And I think it was more about me and my response in the actual post. But, you know, they, they come and they go. So um, I received this article uh, that I want to talk about. I received this article and I couldn't figure out where I got the article from until tonight when I searched this doctor's name. Um, her name is Dr. Tasha Urich. Urich, E-U-R-I-C-H. But hold on before we get, we want to talk about that first. Yeah, I'll talk about this first. So I got this um, article about comparing yourself to other people. And um, I'm going to share bits and pieces with you because I think we all do it, including me. Uh, hang on a second. 
Let me pull it up. Uh, all right. So, oh, excuse my nose. All right. So let's look at this article. It's by Dr. Tasha Urich. So first thing I found out where the article came from. Back in July, before we started back to school, I received the invitation to complete a a survey about the insight of me on what kind of person I am, whether I am aware or not. You know, so you give this list of questions and not only do you fill the questionnaire out, you have to give somebody's name to fill the questionnaire out too. So they fill it out separate from you and you they have their questions are different than yours, but the questions are about you. They compile the information and they come up with a summary. So that's where this doctor came from because I was so surprised that I received the message because I was like, I don't even know who the hell this is and why would they be sending this to me? But it's perfect because I'll talk about it on Joy Exposed and people People love, love, love information on Joy Exposed because, you know, we share it openly. We share it honestly. So it's called the Insight Quiz is what I took called the Insight Quiz. And then for me, let me see if it's still up here. Uh, it says my Insight Overview is that I am aware, I am, my archetype of self-awareness is aware. So there's an introspector, a seeker, and a pleaser. I actually, I'm gonna try to figure out how we can do this if this is something free, because it was given to me by the school. But it's pretty cool to read about yourself and to see areas that you would benefit from some growth. And areas that, not necessarily deficits, but where you may just kind of be, um, lagging or not taking a ne next step to get you to this place of freedom, right? So mine says that I was aware. Anyway, so this Dr. Urich sent me an email um, and I thought, you know, I'm like, it's got to be just a mass mailing that they send out. But either way, I got it. So the insight says, um, it says, the surprising truth about how others see us and how we see ourselves and why the answers matter more than we think. So this is kind of having that conversation about how you see you versus how other people see you. And a lot of times our response to situations is how we think other people see us instead of how we see ourselves. And so it says, when was the last time you felt like a failure? So, uh, let's see. In the early, it even has a name, but it says in the early days of the human race, upward social comparison, that's what it's called. Upward social comparison helped us size up the competition, adapt to our environment, and ultimately and very helpfully survive. This may be why we tend to make more upward comparisons when something is important to us. So an upward comparison would be where you see yourself versus where you see someone else. And it may not be realistic because a lot of times we project people in a place higher than us, upward, right? And we want to compare ourselves to them. Why aren't we traveling as much as some people? Why aren't we making as much? Or why aren't we driving that car? You know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses, right? But when you project your energy on someone else, it takes away from you being honest about who you are and where you are. Now, it says, um, there's a fine line between motivation and deflation. And it's clear that the cost of upward comparison rarely justify the benefits. For example, when we engage with up upward social comparison, we tend to experience less happiness and satisfaction than what we're doing. So if we're doing something that somebody else has done, and we're trying to compare our experience with what they've projected, we're not going to enjoy it as much. It won't be a, um, it won't be an organic experience for us because we're doing it off what we think somebody else has done, right? So this was just so interesting to me. And it says, um, when, <laughs> when you compare yourself to people on social media, when you put your phone down, when you get off social media and start living, you're much happier than when you're on social media. 
doing the upward comparison because you're essentially living your life. You're running your marathon, but you're seeing social media where people are only putting snapshots of their marathon. And of course, it's the best snapshots. No, people don't put the worst stuff on social media. They put the best stuff on social media. And that's what we're comparing comparing ourselves to. And it says it's kind of like comparing uh and comparing your film, your whole process with somebody's highlight reel, right? So I just thought that was really interesting because I know we do that. I know I've done that. I've seen people, especially women, I see women and I think, oh my God, she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. She like she's got it all together. And I just would like to be like that. So I would look at women and think, I want to be like them. I, you know, I want to, I want that. I want a happy relationship. I want this. I just because somebody is projecting that, that was kind of what I saw that I wanted. And it had nothing to do with me. But because I wasn't sure of me and okay with my decisions to exist honestly in myself the only thing i had was to make a comparison on somebody else and social media is the worst social media is the worst which is one of the reasons that i purposefully don't wear makeup i don't hide my age i don't color my hair i try to present myself in a completely natural space because I don't want the social, the upward social comparison of me to be negative for someone else. Now, however they make it is how they make it. But I have to be honest about the person that I am and I have to handle it that way. I also make it a point to just embrace my natural self and I think that I'm beautiful and I take care of my skin and I talk about how old I am and you guys know I always talk about the fact that I don't make a lot of money. And I got to stop saying that because I think that's getting in the way of me making a lot of money. I must be telling the universe I don't want any. But um, I have to stop saying that. But I have to remember that I have women growing behind, coming behind me. I've got my daughters who are coming behind me. And they have to have a certain level of comfort in existing without making comparisons to people that they don't know. I am someone that they do know. I am striving to be free. I'm tr striving to be transparent. If my daughters can't look at me and see happiness and freedom and be okay with who they are and how they get it, then that's, you know, that's kind of, that's going to be a tough moment for them because they'll have to figure out another way to get there. But when I talked to my daughter on the phone the other night, she called me the other morning, like probably Sunday morning. She called me and I was laying in the bed and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm laying in the bed. And she says, your room looks red. I see, you know, I got those curtains up and the sun's coming in. So it gives it a red hue. And she was like, oh, I said, yes, the pleasure palace. And, you know, teasing, talking about I had a cocktail and everything already. And she was like, mom, you just live the life. She's like, you just make me want to grow up. And that was a flat that was flattered by that because this is my daughter, you know, when your children can look at you and see goodness and want to grow up and just to get to a point of freedom, that's really flattering because there's a lot of negativity that happens between parents and children, especially women and their children. There's a lot of negativity that happens. So when my daughters can say something positive and they can want to be in my space and you know, share with me and want to know if they can have a cocktail with me, then I'm like, yeah, sure. Come on, let's hang out. But, you know, I couldn't do that when they're younger, but now they're adults and they can go and buy a cocktail if they want, and they can go and they can do what the hell they want. They make their own money, whatever. They can do what they want. But for me now, it's kind of like they want to enter an adult space with me. They're not saying, I'm, I want to drag you here. You come drink Mad Dog 2020 with me. <laughs> it's not that. It's or I'll have a cocktail with you. They're trying to take on a grown-up space of I'm going to do what you do. And so it's kind of pleasing. But when we get caught up with comparing on social media about who we are and what we want to do, it's kind of hard. It's disheartening. I mean, I see people all the time and I, I think I'm always like, oh my God, how much freaking money do they make? And then I start thinking about whether I want to leave a job that I love, or, you know, the role that I love as a teacher or, you know, do I want to go back and work in corporate? Do I want to work a 60, 70 hour week? Do I, you know, so, but then 
I'm making all these thoughts and I don't want to work 60 hours a week. I don't, I want to leave work at three 30 and not do anything for the rest of the day. If that's what I choose, I want to sit and write for hours. If that's what I choose, I want to take days off and it, the whole world's not going to collapse around me. So I have to kind of balance what it looks like to look to, for upward social comparison and what really is. And so I, um, I work on that. I definitely work on that. Um, and I think we all have to know that it's okay to not make social comparisons and to accept who you are. And just, if you're doing the best that you can and you're moving forward, hell, that's all you can do. Can nobody's on your path. The people that we compare ourselves to, they're on their own path. We don't know what the hell we don't know what their goal is. We don't know what their path is. I said that last week. God doesn't share our path with anyone else. It's We only know we're ambling along our own. That's all we know. We don't know what it's supposed to be. We pick up our tools, collect our tools as we go. So when you're comparing somebody else, you're on a whole different path. You're wasting your time. So just try not to do that. Try to get in a good space of thinking that you're great. I have to remind myself of that. I have to dig into my bag of successes and i've been in a yucky little funky space for like a month i i i can't even lie some days i'm like the bomb i'm like i got it all together and i'm killing it and now for the past month i haven't felt like that like a single day i haven't felt like i was the bomb i haven't fe- i can say that i'm beautiful because i know i've heard myself say that but i haven't felt beautiful i haven't um had like this burst of energy and this felt like the sunshine lived in me and I haven't felt like that for a month but I do remember the feeling of having it and I do remember talking to myself and reminding myself that I have done some amazing things and I will do more amazing things but whatever this time is and I'm trying to figure it out whatever it is I'm just trying to ride through it and to see how I feel about it and um, what's going to happen next I can't force it I'm not angry. I'm not unhappy. I know that there's love all around me. I know that I'm basking in it, right? I know that's great. It's greatness. I know that I'm almost finished writing this book. I think I've got another virtue to write, and I'll wrap up the third one. Um, I know that I have some book sales. I have an event in November. Like, I know there's stuff coming to kind of remind me that what I'm doing is good stuff, but when I, on the inside, I'm not necessarily feeling it. And there's nothing I can do about it except to, you know, try to get my steps in, exercise a little bit, try to talk positively, allow people to give me some good energy and um, to receive it. And like even tonight, it was about quarter to nine and I thought, nah, I won't do the podcast tonight. I'll just say I'm not going to do it. And then I was like, just go ahead and do it, talk through it, you know, just to kind of, because there's an expectation now that's been established that I'll do the podcast on Wednesday nights at nine and I've asked you guys to rock with me and you're rocking with me. So I, you know, I got to show up and I don't feel bad about showing up. It helps me once I get talking because it's probably like my first fluid conversation (laughs) and I'm literally having it with myself and the camera. But um, I know you're there, and uh, I appreciate that. So that's about Tasha Urich and the um, upward social uh, comparison. And I'm going to – I'll put this link in my blog, and if you're interested in reading the whole article, then you can – it'll show up on my blog and I'll put the link to it in this feed that you can, um, you know, go in and read the article and just follow the links and see how it applies to you and how you feel about it. And I mean, it's really good information, but the most poignant things said in here was why are we comparing our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels? We never see the muck that other people are going through, right? We never see their fucking muck. We we live in ours, but we never see anybody's. We see them and they're polished and they're together. Mm, 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 right? So that's what we're comparing to because we can't see just our highlights. We only see theirs and we know the muck that we're in. So that was that was just a great statement to me which is why i wanted to share that article now last week 
not last week. Today I listened to. Um, today I listened to one of my podcasts, the one from about lazy dating, and um, there were some statements that I made in there, and I wanted to go back and revisit them because I'm not, I don't remember what led up to the statements, but the statements, one of the statements I said, oh, I need to write that down. And it said, uh, you can't let the words of folks, of other people, halt your steps, they don't have power over you. And you can't let others influence your movements because of what they think you want or what they think you want or what they want from you. So we have to be kind of careful. And that's a big deal for me. I hate, I won't say hate, but I dislike, dislike, dislike when men put their ideas of what they think a woman should be on social media. A woman should this, a woman shouldn't this, a woman should. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know? Like, how much time have you spent as a woman? And I think that's what people don't really understand is that we don't know the intricacies and the details of what it takes to be who you are. And and it, a lot of people, through upward social comparison, hear these statements and then they start trying to stave off these little, I don't know, guidelines of who they should be based off a whim of what somebody says they want. A woman shouldn't sleep with more than so many men. A woman should know how to cook. A woman should this. A woman, fuck that. Fuck it. No, you don't, no one can put restrictions on what you should and shouldn't do. Now, of course, there are things that you'll do as a woman, but some of the stuff that you do, it's because you have to, or fuck it. It's because you chose to. So I don't like for people to put restrictions on me. They don't, they can't see my path. They can't see where I'm going. They have no idea of where I'm going. And most of the time they have no idea of the experience that I have. So they come in this very limited view of who I am and want to restrict me, please. And, you know, I just think a lot of people get caught up in that. You've met people who are dating somebody or they marry somebody and they say, oh, I can't do this anymore. He doesn't like this and I need to do this because he, and he's, he's only saying that because he doesn't know that there's something outside of that. And he's afraid of what it looks like for him if these things happen because he has a narrow mind, a narrow idea of what it means to be a person. And then when people put limitations on you and what you've done, it's because they're limited in the things that they've done too, right? I know this guy told me one time, um, talking on Facebook after I was traveling to Italy, he was like, oh, your guy, you know, he, he must be tripping. I wouldn't let my woman travel such and such. And I was like, man, shut the fuck up. Can't nobody stop you from doing what you want to do. Somebody stopped me from doing something I wanted to do, and I've regretted it. And I can't blame them. I was not strong enough to do it on my own. And um, to this day, 20 years later, I regret that I didn't. And I believe that was it for me when I decided, when I was like, nah, people can't put restrictions on me because people don't know. So, I just wanted to go back and revisit that conversation briefly because we have to be aware of people putting restrictions on you is literally their way of being limited themselves about what they can and can't do or what their thoughts are. And I guarantee you when people put those limit, those controlling limits on you, it's because they're afraid of what's outside of that limit right? And you have to be very careful with that. I think women women do it too when women start talking about what a man should do. A man should do this and a man should do that. And a man, you know what? Men do what men do. <clears throat> Thank you. Men do what men do. You can't say, a man, my man got to open my door for me. And that's, I'm going to use that as an example because it's so funny. I move by myself so much in and out of my car, all over the place, wherever, wherever, because I'm by myself a lot. I'm a single woman. I'm not married. And I date a guy that lives in another state. Like, so I'm by myself a lot. 
So even when my guy is near me and we're going somewhere, I'll be out of the car so damn fast. I don't, it doesn't even dawn on me to stop and let him open the door for me. It usually take about two days and then I'll say, okay, I'm ready for you to open the door for me now. <laughs> so I get tickled because people get so caught up in that and I'm not even aware of it. So sometimes people are so like, I call it, they have PTSD because they've been given hell about all this stuff that they didn't do. And then you end up with somebody that the shit don't even matter. This shit don't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. So when, when women put these restrictions on men about what a man should do and um, what a man should be, you know what? They're limiting themselves because a lot of times people do the thing that's natural to them when they're in a situation of wanting to take care of you, wanting to do for you. I mean, and there are certain etiquette things that happen. That, well, they used to happen, but they're not taught anymore. Nobody's teaching place setting anymore. Nobody in schools, this stuff used to happen in schools too. You would have your social um, experiences in school. It's not even happening in school anymore. And you know, it's damn well not happening at the house. People not sitting up with the place setting out anymore, teaching their kids what to eat with. They're like, got chicken nuggets, dipping it in sauce. So if you're dating a man that grew up in this day and age, probably 30 years, he's been McDonald his whole fucking life. He had to learn how to cut a steak, trial and error, or his boy taught him. Somebody taught him. But that stuff isn't taught anymore to pull out the chair and to... Um, it's, and they're not seeing it being raised in a house with women who are by themselves. That The kids aren't seeing that as something that's supposed to happen. My son, when my son was growing up and I would be like, you know, a man's supposed to open a door for a woman. And he's like, why? You can open your own door. And this is, we have conversations. And I'm like, but it's just respectful and it's making sure that you know, they enter fine and, you know, all this. And he was like, yeah, whatever. You know, so we would laugh about it. And he was younger. You know, he was laughing about it. Honest to God, my son did not start taking the initiative to opening the door for me until he saw somebody else doing it. Until he saw somebody else making sure that they opened. We're walking in the building. They opened the door for me, waited for me to enter, made me a place to sit order my food for me. My son didn't even, he would argue that up and down until he saw it. So if you're dating a man that hasn't seen it and he hasn't been around someone that that's important, you can't put restrictions on what he should be doing. You can tell him, I want you to do this. I, I like it when this happens. This makes me feel important when this happens own what it is for you because it could mean absolutely nothing for him he could not give a shit it still may not mean it may not even matter so we have to be very careful in putting our restrictions on somebody else we miss out on a lot of interactions we miss out on a lot of opportunities to meet people and to hang out and establish even platonic relationships because we're already got our nose turned up because he didn't do this girl he didn't do this or man she this or she did and she said she don't know how to cook and so you got all these very basic qualities that you're eliminating people you don't even get to the good stuff you don't even get to the kindness you don't get to the laughter just the genuine interaction with another person because you're so caught up in this basic space he doesn't have any um money or he doesn't have wear this kind of clothes or he doesn't this or you know and you get caught up in that and that's you know it's limiting so i hate that and i would argue somebody up and down on that right like don't do that don't put limits on me because people don't know what i'm capable of and i'm capable of a lot i do a lot i do a lot on my own and um, we've had conversations even at my job where people have a problem with the stuff that I do. Well, she's this and she's strong-willed and she's this. And I'm like, I run a whole company outside of here. Like I got a whole life and you want me to sit here and babysit an adult person? That's not who, I'm an adult. I'm a woman. You're adult people. 
and you want me to babysit you? So, but that's because they're limited in what they know as themselves. It has nothing to do with me. And once I established that, they left me the hell alone because I'm not sitting up wasting time with people on what they think should be happening with me. I just had a conversation today. I'm working on this big event at school and this one lady wants to have a meeting with me every couple days she's emailing me talking about we need to have a meeting we i'm like leave me the fuck alone why send me an email what what do you want because for me i'm like i don't have to sit and talk for 30 minutes about something that can be in an email of three sentences i don't want to talk like that i don't need to have that verbal exchange to get this project off the ground it was pointed out to me is that that's why I'm efficient. That's why I get a lot of stuff done because I don't waste a lot of time just sitting up chatting and, oh, how you doing? How was your weekend? Da 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 da. I don't do that, right? I, I, it just, it's not beneficial to me, and it's a, to me, it's a waste of time. And I've said that before about many. I think cooking is a waste of time. I don't like to cook. I'll cook something quick. I will, you know. And I'm pretty good at it, but to me, it's a waste of time. I'm like, if I'm going to spend three, four hours or longer, even thinking about cooking a holiday meal, hell, if I'm going to spend, that's three, four, five, six hours, that's probably about $350 worth of my time, and I'm cooking? Fuck, no. I'll pay somebody $120 to cook me a Thanksgiving meal, or I'll go eat out. But that that's me. That's how I look at my time. But people who don't know me will look at that as, oh, she doesn't know how to cook. That shit don't bother me. I ain't hungry. I'm thick chick. I eat. I, I'm Eating has never been a problem for me. So you have to operate in the space that you're in. And the only way that you know the space that you're in is to keep moving. Don't stop because of what you think somebody wants from you. Don't do it. Don't like, don't do it. Like literally don't do it. If you see yourself as CEO of Microsoft in 15 years, then that's where you see yourself. You don't get caught up working in an IT call center, fixing computer problems because it's good money. And the person you're dating is saying you should stay there as good money. No, you see yourself in a different playing field, move towards the playing field. You don't let people limit your growth based on what they see for you, not your parents. And the parents are a big deal for me because parents are very limiting and they want to guide you and tell you what you should be doing and not necessarily supporting you just to continue to go and to thrive on your own. So if you find yourself in a relationship or situation where somebody's trying to stop you, well, stay. It's a good job. And you're miserable there. The Probably the best thing to do is to get out of that fucking relationship. <laughs> oh, my God. That's horrible. I shouldn't have said that. But seriously, when I received, um, and I wasn't going to talk about this, but I will. I received letters from University of South Florida years ago. So let's see. My daughter, Joy, is 25, so she must have been three, maybe four. I think Jasmine was born then, so maybe four. I started getting letters from University of South Florida Med School, and I was very happy because, you know, you think about going to med school. I don't know if you guys have, but you think about it, but you don't think you can, right? You don't think somebody, you can, because it's med school, and doctors are like, doctors are like the bomb, the top of the food chain, doctors and shit. So I thought about it, but I I didn't have the right level of self-efficacy, I guess, to actually go through with it. My thought, and I didn't have a support system that would have propelled me in that direction and supported me to go. Well, I started getting letters from University of South Florida, their med school, to come in for an interview and, you know, come look at their program. Because they, now, I didn't want them, they wanted me. They wanted me. So I was excited, like, oh, my God. So I was like, what do I got to do? I got to take the MCAT. I need to do this. I, you know, so I'm like, but I got two small kids, you know, and, and I got a husband. And I, I had a husband at the time. And I'm, you know, I'm excited about it. And I remember sitting down talking to my husband at the time. And uh, he, was, he was out of law school and he was working. And we were sitting there and I was telling him about it. And I was like, well, I've just got to 
figure out what I need to do. And he said, about what? I said, to go to med school, you know, like, you know, because the kids are younger and, uh, you know, for so I'm thinking like, okay, so we can wonder if we can live on campus or what do I have to do? You know, what do you do? He was like, are you not going to med school? And I was like, what? Like, what? And and this is my husband. So I'm like, wait, what? He's like, you're not, you know, you can't go to med school. He's like, you're going to have to do residencies and move around. And I'm not leaving to go live somewhere so you can do a residency. You know, no, you're not going to go. Just, no. Just get your master's degree. And, um, you know, and the, the girls need you at home. And this guy was like, okay, that was it. That was it. Like, literally, that was it. Okay. And that was the end of even that dream. From And I, I'm 50. And I still think about it right now. Like, I wonder how old is too old to go to med school. I still think about it right now. So it's not when you have these thoughts of things that are for you on your path, an opportunity for you. They don't go away because a human says no or because a human tells you that you can't, or they don't want you to, it doesn't go away. And look, I still, I love helping people. I want to help people. I want to get people to a place to be happy and healthy. So I'm still in line with taking care of people, but it's not, I'm not an MD. I'm not a DO. And I was very pleased with that, thinking I'd be a doctor of osteopathy. Like I was ready. Dr. Joyce Lynn, right? I was ready. And so that to me, I still think about it all these years later. But that's a person telling me because they're afraid of movement. And so even now, they're still afraid of moving, movements for themselves. They've done, my ex-husband has literally done what he's going to do. He's going to be living in about the same area. He's going to be practicing law and he'll be, he's not going to do anything different. I'm on the other hand, I will do something different. If I wake up and Quentin's out of school and I say, okay, I'm ready to go to med school or okay, I could probably do that. I would probably do that if that's what my thing, if that's what I decided to do. But my ex-husband is very calm where he is. When my son will start visiting colleges for him and I ask him, I'm like, so what are you thinking? What do you want to study? Because he wants to go to University of Florida. We both went to school there, my ex-husband and I. What do you want to um, study? And he said, cell science and microbiology. And I said, do you want to go to med school? And he said, yes. I was like, oh. And I said, so we're going to go visit UF? And he said, yeah. And I said, any other schools you want to visit? And he said, I want to go visit the Johns Hopkins. And I said, um, in Maryland? And he said, yeah. You know where it is? I said, I know where it is. I said, they have a, one of the best med schools in the country, yeah. And he said, yeah, I, I do. And I said, well, I said, did you talk to dad about it? What did dad say? He said, dad said it was too far. I said, too far to what? I mean, because y'all know I move around. I travel. So I'm like, too far to what? He said, to go for school. I was like, honey, I said, you flew to Italy by yourself. You've flown and traveled more than your dad ever. You can go anywhere you want to go. So Johns Hopkins is just a place to go. Maryland is just the state to go to. It's not about being too far. So we have to really keep in mind the limits we placed on place on ourselves or on other people is based on our experience of us. And I said, you... I said, your dad has never lived more than two hours from where he was born. He doesn't have to go. He doesn't have a desire to go. But if you have a desire to go, then you go. And that's no problem. I said, my thing would be, you'll get to go to University of Florida for free because he's IB student, great grades, and you know, just really smart. I said, you'll get that education for free. You can go there for a couple years, get your bachelor's degree, and then you can go on to Maryland to Johns Hopkins. I said, but everything is a process. And, but that's me as a mom walking him through the process, right? 
to not be afraid of the moves he wants to make. If I'm a, if dad said it was too far and mom thought it was too far, guess what? More than likely, he would stay close because we felt like he couldn't go. We were still, we would still be holding him. But that's not how I think. That's not. So our ideology on child rearing is completely different. And moving, the physical movement, are they're different. We think differently and our conversations are different. And our son gets to benefit from both of them because he loves the freedom of movement. And he loves that there's support for him to come and go, to move around. And he's only 16, right? So he's got amazing experiences already. And that's important for me and my children to have those experiences. Because I always said I didn't want my children, my daughters to be impressed by a guy because he's got gold teeth and nice sneakers. Like, I need for somebody to something i need you to do something your experience will be so great that when somebody presents to you with the basic thought process that you can see beyond the basic thought process it's just who i am right so i would tell anybody when people put limits on how you move when people put limits on your happiness get the fuck away they're trying to hold you in a box get the fuck away it's selfish. They're insecure. They don't want to lose you. They don't want you to be better. They don't want you to outgrow them. But you owe it to the universe to grow and to flourish and be of God's purpose. I said last week, you don't get to sit still. So when it's your turn to move a million people, you haven't done it because your girl over here didn't want you to leave the house. She didn't want you to go to med school. She didn't want you to take that promotion. She didn't want you to this. All because what? She think you're going to go fuck somebody? That's li Listen, this is a whole nother show because we ain't got but a couple minutes left. But all of us know, grown people listening, it's easy as hell to fuck somebody. In the house or not in the house. That ain't a reason to hold somebody hostage because you're afraid that they're going to go. If your fear is that, your partner is going to go out. If your partner leaves the house and they have a high chance of fucking around, let them go. Don't even be in a relationship with them. It's stressful. You can't control them. Jesus. It's so much toxicity out there in those relationships. And so many people try to hold on so tight to keep you from being great or from to keep you in their reach. It's a waste. You need to leave and you need to be able to move freely and you need to not trick people into giving you what you want from them. Be honest about what you want because there's enough people out there to give it to you without you tricking them and getting caught up in some fake emotional melodrama because you weren't bold enough to say, hey, I want to sleep with you. I don't want you to spend the night or I'm going to come meet you at this hotel. You can stay overnight if you want, but I'm not staying. Make Make a decision. Do something. So the whole th you just have to make sure that you're moving in a direction on a path that belongs to you and that you're not limiting your movement based on people around you. And I've been fearful. I've been so fearful of losing. I was fearful. I was fearful of my ex-husband finding someone else of him. I don't know if I was fearful of it or if it just happened. Like one day I wasn't good enough for him. That just happened. I don't know that I was afraid of it, but it happened. I was fearful that he would find intellectually stimulating conversation away from me. And he did. And why not? Because he wanted to. He told me, no, I couldn't be intellectually stimulating. He didn't want that from me. It would be better for him to keep me in this box. Well, as it turns out, he didn't want me to come outside the box because he could see that I was powerful as hell. And if I even stepped outside of the box, that my shine would be so much greater than his. He was afraid of that. So that's his insecurity trying to relegate me to a space. And we do that all the time. People want to do that to you. Don't do it. If you're unhappy, it's a, at this point, it's a choice to be unhappy. If you're in a relationship that sucks, get out of it. If you need to make a move, if you're unhappy in the town that you live in, leave the town. It's not going to change. It's not. I could literally be living in the same town that I was born in. Why? Why would I? I 
I don't, I barely want to go when I go home. Right. So we have to folk open our minds to realize that our path belongs to us and the people that we meet along the way aren't in control of us. And they're, they don't have any insight on our life. And I've heard women say to men, I knew God was going to send you to me. That's manipulation. You didn't know God was going to send him to you. You may have known that someone was coming, but this particular person who now has to think, why didn't God tell me that I was going to be there? I don't even want to be here, but they're feeling like they have to be stuck in that space because you've now put God in it for them. And that's not fair. So it's our time is up. It's 10 o'clock. This is Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. And remember, when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Okay. I'm trying to end the video. Okay, there we go.